0: This is Fullness of Life, discussing topics important to your life of faith and ways to grow in a life of grace. Join us each month as we inspire listeners to a deeper relationship with the Lord to live His fullness of life. Now, here's your host, Letty Medina. Uh,
1: welcome, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life on WSFI Catholic Radio, 88.5 FM. And this month, Uh, We're going to be recording a show about the Sacred Heart of Jesus and I have a wonderful uh, surprise guest It's the first time I have the opportunity to interview a bishop of the Catholic Church and his name is Bishop Donald Hying So welcome Bishop Hying
2: Thank you so much, Letty. Yeah, I'm the bishop here in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm from Milwaukee Um, I've been a priest for 32 years uh, and a bishop for ten blessed to do some years of mission work but really since i was a child i've had a devotion to the sacred heart inculcated by my parents and really that helped form my vocational call but it's a great joy to be with both of you
1: thank you so much and sitting right next to me in my recording studio is one of my dearest friends and sisters in christ mary beth rogers so
3: welcome mary beth and thank you so much letty and bishop Hying. i am so happy and grateful to be with both of you today and especially as we get to talk about my favorite subject
1: absolutely and so that's actually why i invited Mary Beth to share her love because i as her, a personal friend of hers knew her devotion to the sacred heart and it always inspired me so when i asked her to prayerfully consider coming on the show she's a little nervous because she's like speaking in public is not my thing and i said it doesn't matter you love the lord's heart But then she went online and she found this article written by Bishop Hying, and that's how she urged me to reach out to the good bishop and to ask him if he would share uh, the interview space with us and share his love for the Sacred Heart. So why don't we get started, um, and Bishop, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit of overview of of how you did kind of come to know more about the Sacred Heart.
2: Yeah, it really goes back to my parents. I remember I was a very young boy. I had five brothers, and my parents consecrated our family to the Sacred Heart. And every first Friday, my mother had this little prayer card she'd put by our um, dinner places. So before eating supper that night, we would re-consecrate ourselves and our our family to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. We went to Mass on first Fridays and, and did the Sacred Heart devotion. And Really, the, probably the most formative piece of that was there was a picture of the Sacred Heart above our television. And that's when your television was a major piece of furniture <laughs> in the living room. But above that was um, was Sacred Heart. And I think my mother was very wise in hanging it there. So whenever we were looking at television, you're also looking at Jesus. And as a very little child, I perhaps didn't fully understand yet who Jesus was or what all of the symbolism meant. When I looked at that picture and saw this man with the fiery heart, I instinctively knew that he loved me. Mm. And I knew that somehow he knew me. And really, that was the beginning and um, the significant point of departure for my devotion.
1: How beautiful. And then I'm going to turn to my dear sister, Mary Beth, and ask her to share how she came to love the Sacred Heart.
3: So... (laughs) Mine is quite similar to what the bishop um, has expressed. Um, I, um, this was one of my absolute earliest child memory, uh, childhood memories and my parents as well had this beautiful picture of the Sacred Heart that they had in their bedroom and I was absolutely just drawn to this picture in much the same way as the bishop said you could just tell the love that emanated from that picture. And I happened to be, I I was, um, there were five of us siblings in the family and so I had four older brothers. (laughs) I was the only girl and the youngest. And I used to go and look at that picture and I would think of him as my older brother. Uh And um, I loved my brothers and and, um, they would take care of me. Um, My parents had me kind of late in life and I think after raising four pretty lively boys, they were pretty tired, and <laughs> so when I came along, they kind of let, um, especially the two older boys, take care of me. So, when I looked at Jesus and I thought of him as an older brother, I just knew that, um, you know, I, I saw the love and I and I felt that love. So beautiful.
1: So why don't we talk a little bit about the actual image of the Sacred Heart? I think most Catholics are somewhat familiar with it, but perhaps they haven't really spent time really looking at the detail of the beauty of that image. Um, Bishop, you want to start us off?
2: Really, as you said so beautifully, Mary Beth, I think the first thing we see in the Sacred Heart image is just the loving countenance of Christ, you know, that in most images, he's looking directly at the viewer, and you get this sense of personal connection that that's very real and and palpable. So it's just Jesus' loving countenance, and he's always pointing to his heart. You know, so look at my heart. You know, here's here's the center of my being. Here's the the core of my soul. Here's how much I love you. So there's this invitation. It reminds me of the gospel narrative where Jesus invites Thomas to place his hand into his side and in his fingers into his wound. So there's a sense of, you know, my heart is open and I just want to invite you to step into my heart. Yeah, so just Jesus loving countenance, you know, pointing to his heart, you know, and then certainly uh, the images within and, and above the heart um, capture St. Margaret Mary's um, mystical revelations, you know, of the Jesus heart is on fire, you know, so in the, Scripture's fire is always a symbol of God and of the Holy Spirit and of zeal and of love. The cross, you know, clearly it's on the cross that Jesus' heart is broken open and he makes this sacrificial and total gift of self in order to save us. You know, the crown of thorns, the the blood. So it certainly connects um, the sacred heart of Jesus to to his passion and death on the cross. And, And we see there the... The enormity of love, where Jesus says in John's gospel, no greater love is there than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So that enormity of, of the gift given to us through Jesus' death on the cross is made manifest in the sacred heart image.
1: So beautiful. And, you know, one of the things I kind of just want to kind of ta- comment on is that, you know, in today's world where so many people um, perhaps struggle to believe that there is a God who is near us, Mm -hmm. and that He's knowable, and that His love is really palpable, right? Right. This image could be such a blessing for people to turn to at times like this, to really start trying to dive deeper into that knowledge of, no, He really, really, really loves you, Mm -hmm. and you can experience it if you really turn to Him and get to know Him, right?
3: And I know from um, just my experiences, uh, one of the things that has always touched me um, by the picture is that wound in his heart. Mm-hmm. And um, I know those times when I I was a pretty sensitive child, and so I think I was wounded easily, more easily perhaps than others, but um, I, I thought of that Psalm 34 where it says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those crushed in spirit. And so that was always so reassuring to me that he truly knew, and he knows, he knows our pains and, and, and so he's, he wants to just be there to, to help us through all of that. Yeah.
1: And that, you know, he wants to light our hearts on fire too, right? That mm-hmm. he wants to share his love to help our hearts burn for the things that are most important and that will get us to heaven, which is where we will have that eternity of joy, right?
2: Something I contemplate often is just how, you know, the sacred heart was formed in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And we know from the, the science of, uh, you know, the development of, of the child within the womb, that it, within 15 days, there's already a detectable heartbeat. So just think of this tiny little sacred heart that begins to beat inside the Blessed Mother and then starts getting louder, heart gets bigger. Jesus is born and it's his heart that is formed in the image of his father and and goes forth and, and does the work of our salvation. That heart is pierced on the cross and ceases to beat. So just think of the, the, the tragic moment when you know, the sacred heart stops beating and it seems as if you know, the world has come to an end because the son of God is dead. And then Easter Sunday morning, suddenly that, that still dead heart begins to beat again and will beat forever. So I just think of this fiery heart of Christ at the center of the cosmos, just beating, pulsating out the love of God you know, to the church, to the world, uh, to all of us. So this, this heart of Christ is, is eternal. And, uh, it is for us the totality of Jesus' humanity and divinity.
1: So beautiful. That's beautiful. Amen. I've never, I've never contemplated that, but now I will. The little beating heart of Jesus within the womb of Mary. That's beautiful. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Why don't we talk a little bit about the crown of thorns? Because again, in a, in, in today's world, suffering is not something people want to hear about. They want to get as far away from suffering as possible, and yet here our Lord suffered greatly, right, out of love for us. What would you say to the listeners, Bishop Hying, about the crown of thorns being around the Sacred Heart?
2: Yeah, as you rightfully said, Letty, it really symbolizes the sufferings of the Lord in his love for us. And I think Christianity, and Catholicism in particular, takes suffering very seriously. And in answer to our fundamental question, why is there suffering, why is there evil? As a priest, the most heart-wrenching questions I would get are, you know, why did my little girl die of cancer? You know, why did my husband leave me? You know, why why did we have the stillbirth? Um, You know, fundamental questions of suffering that there's no intellectual answer to those questions. And I always point them to the suffering of Christ and say, God's answer to your question is that he suffers with you. It's not an intellectual answer. It's not a philosophical answer. It's it's the power of the Lord's compassion that he suffers with us. So to ponder uh, the Sacred Heart is to realize that the Lord, Lord's love for us is made manifest most profoundly in those intense moments of suffering that we find. And because of that, they're redeemed and transformed and become precisely places of healing, grace, and mercy for us. And that, that's the power of our faith, that the Lord takes our suffering so seriously that he entered into it himself in the person of his son, um, let it kill him in his bodily form, and then in the resurrection, overcomes it, transforms it, lifts it up to the Father. So our suffering goes from being this meaningless, horrible thing to being something that's very sacred and somehow woven into the tapestry of our redemption.
0: Yeah
3: absolutely and you know to bishop Hyang and, and letty i think about that my my mother was so kind to um she actually gave me that very picture that hung in their bedroom to she gave it to me when i got married and so we have it hanging in our bedroom and wh- and when i do look at that picture and i see that fire the fire of his love but right in the middle is the cross it's a constant reminder to me that there is not love without that cross the two go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, this is this is a love that is, you know, it it, it is not cast off. It is unconditional and it is um, an abiding love. And and so it's helped me so much in my marriage even to mm-hmm. keep that always in mind. That you know, it's it's not meant to be easy all the time, but this this is still love.
1: Absolutely. And I and I just would add that, you know, anybody listening right now who is going through a time of suffering, because nobody escapes the cross. Uh, In some form or fashion, we will all suffer in this life, right? Um, That, you know, human nature is, we kind of want to run from it, because it's not fun to suffer. Um, But to learn how to unite that suffering, truly, to unite it to the suffering of our Lord, and to allow Him to transform it, as you said, Bishop, and to redeem it, and to, to really lift us Um, to become more like him in that moment of suffering. If we could learn to do that more consistently, we would really, really have more grace in our journey towards him.
2: And the other thing I think of, again, going back to the um, experience of St. Thomas with the risen Lord. I often ask myself the question in prayer, why do the wounds of Jesus remain after the resurrection? Because you think the power of the resurrection could heal some nail holes and a spear gash, and yet they're there. But it's almost that Jesus is saying to us, there's still echoes of Good Friday, even in the resurrection, that we still have to go through this um, world of suffering and pain and death. But he's given us a way through it and out of it, that those wounds become trophies of victory. It's as if the Lord is saying, look what I've been through, and yet I've risen victorious. So when you touch my wounds, you touch the very life of the Lord.
1: So beautiful. Powerful. Absolutely. <laughs> amazing. Um, in your article that you wrote about the Sacred Heart, there were a few scriptures um, you listed. One of them was Matthew 9, 36. Jesus' heart is moved with pity for the crowds. And why did you include that in your article about the Sacred Heart?
2: I think it really epitomizes Jesus' compassion. You know, The word compassion comes from two Latin words, which mean to suffer with. So the fact that the Lord looked at the neediness of people, the poverty of people, their spiritual brokenness, their desperation, and that his heart is moved, that he doesn't love us from some safe distance. He doesn't love us from the sidelines, that that he himself is impacted by the suffering of the people around him, shows the definition of compassion, that God isn't some immovable, unemotional force that's impersonal, but that that God's heart is moved. So um, compassion is what love does when it sees suffering. And so uh, when you look at all of Jesus' ministry, he responds to people in their need. He doesn't have this predetermined idea of what somebody needs. I think we've all had people in our life that say, you know, I know what's good for you (laughs) and you just have to do this. And that always feels a little oppressive so it seems to me that Jesus comes to people and just says, where does it hurt? Yes, you know, Where does it hurt? Because that's what I want to heal. That's what I want to touch. So you think of the Lord as this physician of souls. And I think that's especially true for priests, but really all of us, that we can dare to touch the wounds of others because our hearts are moved by the suffering of others because of love. Right?
1: Yeah. And then you refer to Matthew eleven twenty nine. He tells us that he is gentle and humble of heart. Mm-hmm.
2: And that's beautiful too. Yeah, yeah gentleness and humility um, sometimes seem in short supply these days, right? Yes. But I just think uh, how powerful simple kindness is, right? So when I did seminary formation, I'd always tell the seminarians, "You may not be a Fulton Sheen in the pulpit. You may not be the best administrator, but if you simply are kind to your people and love them, you will be an instrument of of the Lord."
1: Amen.
2: So just basic. Basic kindness goes a long way, and gentleness and humility are the crowning glory, really, of the Lord who, who loves us in His in His tenderness.
1: Exactly. Um, and then your final one of the final things that I pulled out of your article was His desire, His infinite desire to be in relationship with us, right? Mm-hmm. And again, how how hard that is for so many people to believe because they've yeah. never experienced that relational kind of love from right. this beautiful God of ours. What yeah. would you say to them?
0: Yeah,
2: I think when, when people say, I don't, I don't believe in God or I don't know if I believe in God, I always ask them, who is the God that you don't believe in? You know, tell me about that. And usually it's some very misshapen, warped concept of who God is. You know, that God is this just this judge or this manipulator or this impersonal force And that's obviously not God. So I think to realize that God has come in passionate pursuit of us, so it leads me to think of the parable of the prodigal son. There's that key moment when it says the son comes to his senses, he's coming home. And then it says, while he was still a far way off, the father caught sight of him and ran to him and embraced and kissed him. So the image that comes to me is, Father must have climbed to the highest brow of the highest hill in his farm every day and scanned the horizon and hoped, you know, maybe today is the day my son will return. So the sense of God actively looking for us, seeking us out. We see that in the image of the Good Shepherd. We see it in the parable of the lost coin that you know the Lord is looking for us because his great passionate desire is to be in relationship with us. And that's essentially the definition of heaven. You know, so we don't have to wait till we get to heaven. To have this abundance of relationship with God now, and all of that is made manifest in in the Sacred Heart of Christ.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. Well, it's hard to believe, but it is time for a commercial break. So, um, don't go away. We will be right back after this.
0: A prayer for deliverance with Father John Grigastown. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus Christ, we just ask for the grace of the Holy Spirit to come down upon us the intercession of Our Lady and of all the saints and angels and we come against any influence of the occult or the new age that might have infiltrated any of our listeners, the children, their grandchildren, their nieces, nephews, brothers and sisters and families and we bind Satan and all of his minions in any way that have bound any of these individuals or their families in this occult practices and we invoke Mother Mary also and all of the saints in the name of jesus by the blood of jesus i just break all bounds and all influences of the new age upon any one of our listeners and may they be broken in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit may he send upon them the grace of the holy spirit to free them and may our mother mary place her mother the her to protect them and crush the head of the evil one as she was promised to do so in genesis after the fall amen
1: with Bishop Hying from Madison and Mary Beth Rogers, my dear sister in Christ, and we've been talking about the beautiful devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And so I think it would be really nice to kind of dive into some of the church tradition and how did the revelation about the Sacred Heart of Jesus come to be known?
3: Well, I know that Saint Matilda was one of the early. She was in the twelve hundreds, and I um, I do so appreciate the writings that I'm able to read of Saint Matilda. She actually, um, I, I she didn't write down many of the things. It was actually done by Saint Gertrude and her other sisters, and a bit unbeknownst to Saint Matilda, she was a little bit taken aback by it because here she had this beautiful devotion to the Lord and our Sacred His Sacred Heart, and and she would share it with her sisters, but she had no idea that they were writing it down. And thankfully that they did. And she took that to the Lord, her concern, and He said, it was meant to be. It was meant to be. And now because of that, we have what was revealed to St. and I personally am very go- grateful for that. I have read The um, Love of the Sacred Heart and um, some of the revelations of our Lord. And again, the beauty of His love and how He revealed Himself to her.
1: So wonderful. Mm-hmm. And... That's one of the beautiful things about our Catholic Church, right? That we have such a a breadth of things to to, um, turn to, right? It's it's obviously the sacraments, the beautiful gift of Jesus present to us in in the sacraments. But it's also knowing Mother Mary and learning about the lives of the saints and seeing how God continues to reveal more and more and kind of fill out the picture a little Mm -hmm. bit for us. Throughout the centuries, through these various saints. And so what a gift that is to Absolutely. us. So again, I just encourage the listeners, get to know the saints. Turn and pick up a good book about a saint that you feel inspired to learn about, because that has greatly enriched my journey as 100%. well as yours, and I'm guessing yours as well.
3: So what about Saint Gertrude? Saint Gertrude is so beautiful too. so she actually was um uh, she was taught by Saint Matilda and she was um, a sister in her her order too. They were very close um, just as a little side interest. Um, I believe the the statue as you walk into Marytown for uh, whoever is familiar with that the right right on the right side as you walk into the chapel is Saint Gertrude beautiful. the statue of her. So I love reading um, about hers, too. It's just, uh, like St. Matilda's so beautiful, so profound, and just, um, it just warms your heart. And I did, I carry this um, book of um, with her writings around. It's called Love, Peace, and Joy. I just love this book. It's all dog-eared because I, I carry it around and I read it so much. Um, but there's a beautiful little story and I'll share it with you because I I think it really gets to kind of the heart of Jesus and, and what he wants to do for us. And, and it's especially, um, good for me because, um, he talks about how he, all we have to do is give him a little, just a little, and he will make up for all our deficiencies. He will. And so Gertrude apparently was having some fears and, and, um, Jesus came to her and he wanted to calm that and so he gave her this story and he said, A man has to sing before a distinguished audience, but his voice is shrill and false. He can scarcely produce any sounds which do not grate on the ear. But thou art near him. Thou hast, we will suppose, a well-trained, clear and brilliant voice. Thou canst either give him thy voice or sing in his place. Thou desirest to do so, and he knows thy desire. Wouldst thou not feel indignant with him, were he to refuse his consent to to thy proposal? In like manner, I know thy misery, and my heart can supply for it. It wishes to do so most earnestly, for it would find therein a real joy. All that it asks is that thou trust all of his cares, if not by word, at least by some sign of thy goodwill.
1: (laughs) That's beautiful. And I I think again I want to encourage you know anyone listening and you know I think we often struggle with our own weaknesses and the reality of our many you know um, failings and and temptations and oh well I'll never be able to do what God wants me to do or I'm just not good enough and yet if we just ask for the grace from our dear Lord he wants to supply it to us in abundance. He does, and that's literally like that's like one of the greatest mysteries and secrets of the of the spiritual life is to to ask because <laughs> it's not up to us; it's to him to give it to us so that we can do what he's asking. And he, to, he
3: does it through us, and to trust—just trust completely in that. Exactly, yes. and his heart burns to to bless us,
1: right?
2: He wants to give us every possible gift, right? And somehow our response and desire is is part of the equation. So God doesn't impose himself on us. So we have to have a heart and a desire. And I think that's what the saints tell us. So just be bold in what you ask of the Lord, because He wants to flood us with graces.
1: Amen. So beautiful.
3: What about Saint Catherine of Siena? So Saint Catherine of Siena, um, she did a dial- She had a dialogue with God the Father, how amazing is that, right? I can't imagine. I know. Um, I have not read the whole thing, but I do have an excerpt from it, which I, again, thought was so appropriate, especially in this time, day and time. God our Father revealed to um, St. Catherine of Siena that, that the world is like a kind of a raging torrent, kind of a river, and that Jesus himself is the bridge over that river. and And that river can be a river of perdition. And God told her how foolish and blind to try to cross through that river on our own when a bridge has been built right there for us. Mm-hmm. That's
1: beautiful. Right? Yeah. And so again, you know, those of us who do know the Lord and, and have faith, um, we're called to share that faith. We're called to invite people who do not know the Lord or have not experienced the love of God. Um, to come and see. Come and see. And you will, your hearts will be changed. Absolutely. You know, so um, it's a beautiful gift for us as lay people to be out in the world and encountering people all around that really just have not yet come to know the Lord. And so we're happy to be able to even be on this show and talk about this beautiful devotion. So, Bishop Hine, would you share a little bit about St. Margaret Mary Alacoque and her contributions to the Sacred Heart devotion?
2: Yeah, probably of all the saints related to the Sacred Heart, St. Margaret Mary is probably the most widely known. She was a visitation nun in France in the 17th century. And it was to her that the Lord revealed his heart, I think, with uh, the imagery that most of us are familiar with today. And just want to read this. I have always found just stunningly, Beautiful. So she was in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament in the chapel of her convent. I believe it was on the feast of St. John the Evangelist right after Christmas. And she said, Jesus Christ, my sweet master, presented himself to me, all resplendent with glory, his five wounds shining like so many suns, flames issued from every part of his sacred humanity, especially from his adorable breast, which resembled an open furnace, and disclosed to me his most loving and most amiable heart, which was the living source of these flames. It was then that he made known to me the ineffable marvels of his pure love and showed me to what an excess he had loved men, from whom he often only received ingratitude and contempt. But I love that image. It's this image of the Lord being completely on fire, just this radiance of light that comes out. Um, Saint Margaret Mary lived at a time when Jansenism was um, very popular in France, and kind of a simple way of understanding Jansenism is that it was kind of a Catholic version of Puritanism. So it was an overemphasis on God's justice and wrath, and many people became afraid to even receive the sacraments because they didn't feel worthy. So there's a sense of um, a fear of God. You know, not that we don't need a fear of God, but it wasn't balanced with um, you know, mercy. So it's almost as if the Lord revealed himself to St. Margaret Mary in his merciful heart to show us that, um, he loves us beyond anything we can imagine and that he invites us to trust in his mercy and there to find compassion and forgiveness, to not be afraid to come to the Lord, no matter how burdened we may be with sin. St. Margaret Mary suffered much for her, um, Revelations. The other sisters thought she was just a sensationalist or making this up to get attention. And it was her spiritual director, St. Claude Columbier, who was a Jesuit, who really was um, the recipient of her messages and kind of authenticated that, you know, what she was experiencing, what was real, it wasn't an illusion. So it's from her that we really come to understand uh, the depths of the Lord's love for us in the Sacred Heart.
1: So powerful! What a gift! And yeah, I, I think um, we just we need to learn more about these kind of you know devotions because they do enrich the journey when we come to understand all that God wants to reveal about His love for us in these different ways. So Bishop Hine, you wrote this beautiful article and I loved part of you know I love the whole article, but this one part you talked about Jesus' selfless love and you, you listed a number of things that kind of reveal that selfless love. Would you share that with the listeners?
2: I think when we look at just the totality of Jesus' ministry, everything he said and said and did was for the other. So if he saw a hungry crowd, he multiplied bread and fish and fed them. When he encountered a sinner, he forgave them. he encountered somebody looking for god he taught them we think of his parables we think of his miracles we think of him healing the sick and the lame and the blind so his his total life was this gift of self and if we back up to his temptation in the wilderness really the, the essence of satan's temptation towards the lord was to get him to misuse his gifts you know, to use his divine power for himself, rather than for the sake of the other. So we see in Jesus this um, total self-emptying of God. God completely empties Himself out and gives Himself away. And it reminds me of what Saint John Paul II called the law of the gift. You know that it's inscribed in our heart to make a gift of our life for the sake of God and others. And paradoxically, we only discover ourselves when we give ourselves away, and you know, we only come to find joy when. We stop self-seeking we we only will be lifted up if we allow ourselves to be cast down um it's that whole paradox of the gospel that the cross is the only ladder to heaven one of my favorite um, gospel passages is john chapter 12 and it's the anointing at bethany and it's that beautiful moment when at the last dinner jesus has before his fearful passion with mary martha and lazarus it says Mary brings out this costly aromatic nard, and it costs 300 days' wages. I've never spent 300 days' wages on a gift for one of my friends. So you just see this lavish, over-the-top extravagance. And she breaks it open, and she anoints the feet of Christ. And the whole house is filled with the fragrance. So here's a soul just absolutely in love with God, uh, completely spending herself. And maybe it's because in the previous chapter, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Maybe it's an anticipation of Jesus' burial, but in the end, it's an expression of her desire to give herself to the Lord because she realizes how extravagantly she has been loved. Contrast that with Judas Iscariot, who questions the expense. So when, when we fall in love with God because we realize how much he has loved us, then religion is no longer this heavy obligation. Going to Mass isn't this thing I have to do. Because when you're in love, you give it all and you feel like it's never enough. When you're not in love, the little you're doing already feels like too much because you're measuring it out. So one of the beauties of Jesus' ministry, life, and death is that God doesn't measure. He just pours it all out completely in this abundance. And he invites us to step into that abundance and and be as generous ourselves. And not to be parsimonious, not to count the cost. Be all in.
1: Beautiful. Gosh, that's deep. (laughs) I love it. Touching my heart deeply. Um, I love what you also wrote in that article about love means willing the good of the other, right? Like that is truly what love is because you aren't thinking about yourself. You really want what's best for the other, even if it's going to be hard on you, right? Right. And that's what Jesus did on the cross for us. He poured everything out for us.
2: For the sake of the other. I think we even find that in the spiritual life. So even those moments where our prayer seems dry, when God seems distant, I think we all have those moments when it feels like all the doors and windows of heaven have been closed and we're just kind of left in this dark, lonely place. We have to believe that God is allowing that to happen in order to purify our love for him. So in those dry moments, in those desert moments, I always think God is asking me the question, do you love me for me or do you love me for the gifts I give you? And the only way we can know that is if the gifts are seemingly withdrawn. So do we keep praying? Do we keep loving? Do we keep giving? Do we remain in joy even in those dark nights of the soul? And I think, you know, as both of you have said so beautifully, there is no love without the cross. So at the very heart of Jesus' heart is the cross. Um, so that's, it's that radical death of self, so that all that's left of us is really what, what God wanted us to be in the first place.
1: Wow, that's beautiful. You know, that reminds, makes me think of a beautiful um, image. One of our dear friends, Anne, had this image one time where she said that all of a sudden she saw this beautiful field and this incredible light that was just the most beautiful light that she wanted to get to. And so she began in this image. She saw herself crossing the field towards this light. She just couldn't wait to get to this light. And as she got closer, she saw the image of the cross, and she had to walk through the cross to get to the light. And she was like, wait a minute. That's not what I signed up for. (laughs)
2: There's got to be another way. There has
1: to be another way, but she knew there was no other way. And I just mm-hmm. thought that was such a beautiful gift to her in that moment. And hopefully to all the, those that are listening in, it well, is the only way. It yeah. is the only way. We have to pick up our cross and mm-hmm. follow him.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I was blessed to be at World Youth Day in Krakow, Poland in 2016. And the Saturday night of World Youth Day is always, <clears throat> you trek to this field. It was super hot that day. But the Holy Father comes, he gave a talk. And then um, the Eucharist came out on this enormous monstrance. So the sun was setting. And at that point, there were probably a million and a half people in this field. And we all knelt down in this field in front of the Eucharist. And you could have heard a pin drop. And I was thinking, we're in this field that's been made holy by the blood of martyrs. You know, So think of Poland. So the Nazis tried to destroy the church and to stamp out you know, the dignity of the human person, only to be succeeded by the Soviets who try to destroy even the notion of God. And the Nazis are gone, Soviets are gone. Here's a million and a half of us Catholic disciples. And I was just thinking, love always wins. Love always wins. And it always feels in human history like that's not gonna happen because the forces of evil and sin and death always look more powerful. And yet love always wins. So I think of St. Faustina with her divine mercy. I think of St. Maximum Colby in Auschwitz. I think of a young Carol Wojtyla to be St. John Paul. The three of them lived within a 30-mile radius of each other, and they never knew each other. So God is looking at the horror of World War II to come, you know, the, the hell of Auschwitz. And it's almost like he just planted his flag in this place ahead of time and just said, there's going to be horrible things coming, but love always wins. I'm already here with my divine mercy. Um, Those are such a powerful moment for me because it's, it's the triumph of the sacred heart. Absolutely.
1: Beautiful. Ah. Beautiful. Um, and, Again, it's hard to believe, but it's time for another commercial break. We are obviously very engaged in our discussion about this beautiful devotion. But I, I would urge the listeners not to go away. Please come back, because there's even more to share about the devotion, about the promises given to St. Gertrude. So we'll be right back after
0: this short Hello, I'm Father James Kubicki, the U.S. Director of the Apostleship of Prayer, and I ask you to support Catholic Radio in your area because Catholic Radio is the way that we can get the word out today. It's Catholic evangelization at its best, and I've heard conversion stories all over the place because of people who have tuned in as they're driving or in their homes listening to Catholic Radio by accident and the Lord touching their hearts through the message they heard. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs, local. Community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated.
1: and my dear sister in Christ, Mary Beth Rogers, and we've been talking all about the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And I'd like to dive into the actual devotion so that our listeners can learn a little bit about what that means and what that looks like.
2: So I think that the core of it is the consecration where we we give ourselves over to uh, the Lord and his love for us. And to consecrate something is to set it aside for a holy purpose. So when we consecrate ourselves to the sacred heart or to the blessed mother we're really saying you know lord blessed mother i give myself completely to you you know use me as you will i'm setting myself aside and, and giving myself to you as a gift as you've given yourself to me and certainly the, the first friday devotion is you're going to mass on first friday receiving the eucharist i'm going to confession regularly having an image of, of the sacred heart in our house that, that we honor you know and just living that mystery of his love for us. I mean, that's the heart of the devotion.
1: That's beautiful. And again, how could that not bless our lives? Just, you know, drawing closer to this source of love, right? He is the source of all grace and it flows from his heart. And so to to really unite ourselves and give ourselves to that more fully is just a beautiful way to grow in in holiness. Mary Beth, you want to share a little bit about enthronement?
3: Well, I love that. I mean, obviously, I would never leave, live anywhere. I wouldn't want to live um, <laughs> without the beautiful um, image of, of the Sacred Heart, but in taking it out of the home that I grew up in and bringing it over to um, the home where we now live, um, we we did. I, I brought um, uh, an image, and um, I was. God, in His infinite mercy, always knows what we need, and He put the the very priest who um, officiated uh, my husband's and my wedding, um, he too had a great devo- devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and Father so Angelo Caserta, just a, a good holy shepherd for sure. And so he was so kind and he came in and he did um, did the enthronement in the house where we grew up, I grew up, and um, he did that on the... Feast of the Queenship of Mary, and I was thrilled. And then he came up here as well and um, consecrated my home again to the Sacred Heart.
1: And and so I just want to share, too, that I also had my home enthroned to the Sacred Heart. And, you know, I would urge listeners, if you've never done anything like that, you know, pray about it. Consider it. Learn about it. Because it truly is, as the bishop was explaining, it's a way of saying, I want my entire family, my entire home, everything to be given to Christ and, and for Him to become such a part of this life that we live in this home so that He guides us in everything, right? So it, it's a great blessing when you do it. There
3: are, and, and there are parishes. I have heard that parishes have actually um, teams that do go in to, to help with and do that enthronement. So
1: Absolutely. Um, so Mary Beth, I know you have a heart that burns for people who are experiencing hopelessness and despair.
3: You know, that started, um I actually went on pilgrimage with um a, a priest and two other friends through France. and and that's actually when that started. Um, I, I, I can't exactly um with hard to explain, but that was put really on the a burden on my heart. That was back in two thousand and three. And um then,, as you well know, um, in 2005 um, we started a, a prayer group and that uh, that prayer group was um, specifically started to pray for those who are lost in hopelessness and despair. That was back in 2005 and it happened to be on the very day that, that our beautiful Pope St. John Paul II um, left this world to be with the Lord. Yeah. So we've been doing this for um, 15 years now, and and I see now. I think when I look around, how <laughs> how providential maybe that was, and how very necessary it is. And so that's what I would like to um, I would like to say about this devotion. You, you know, we've been talking about Jesus's love for us and him drawing us in, but he also wants us to just go out to people and to pour that love out. He's It's flowing through his heart, through ours, and it must be shared, as Mm -hmm. Bishop Hying so beautifully stated. And so, um, I I, as we talk about it, and and we're trying to encourage people, one of the best ways—I mean, uh, you um, know—of coming to to Jesus' Sacred Heart um, is to come to Him in the Church, in the Tabernacle. Yes. His heart is there in the Holy Eucharist. Amen. And so go, go into the church. If you if you are feeling sad or hope, you know, your hope is getting drained or whatever is going on, cross the threshold of a church. Amen. Go and kneel before the tabernacle because the Eucharistic heart of our Lord is right there and He's just waiting, waiting for you to come. And you know, He's he's Like Revelation says, He stands at the door of our heart and He knocks. All He's waiting is for us to open. We don't have to open it wide because we might, you know, you might be a little bit too overwhelmed to do that. Just open it a crack. (laughs) And He will come to you and you will never regret that. Amen. So true. (laughs) So true.
1: Anything you'd like to add about that,
2: Bishop? I just think the Lord wants to flood us with gifts and to just, as you so beautifully said, Mary Beth, just to open our heart to the Lord. And I think maybe that's the hardest part is that surrender. Cause sometimes we're afraid, what is that surrender going to do? You know, if I really give my life to the Lord, what's he going to ask of me? And what he's going to ask of us is that we let him love us. And so the thing we sometimes fear the most is precisely the thing that's going to save us and and give us the greatest joy. And you know, that's where we need to overcome that, that, um, fear, that resistance within us to just that complete, absolute, total surrender. So I, I find so much fruit in the first sorrowful mystery, the agony in the garden, because you see there Jesus struggling with the enormity of the passion, you know, Lord, let this cup pass from me, but in the end, let your will be done in me. And we see that surrender of Jesus' heart to the will of the Father. And from that point on, Jesus seems to go through the terrible events of his passion with this this resolution that this purpose this courage that transcends death because he surrendered his heart in gethsemane so everything flows from that surrendered heart
1: mm, i love that yes. i really love that and i i do say, i want to affirm that because you know so often i encounter people who are afraid to because they think they're not good enough they're not worthy right as if we have to earn the love of god and that is a lie because Mm -hmm. god literally it's a free gift we Mm -hmm. just have to turn to him and say i want some (laughs) and he will pour it
3: down
2: i think it seems too good to be true right maybe that's what some people struggle with it's like this can't be real it's like you see these deals on television it's like what's the catch
0: exactly and
2: the beauty of the lord is there's never a catch he just loves us unconditionally and invites us in
1: so beautiful and I wanted to add to all of this and, you know, what Mary Beth was sharing about trying to encourage people to cross that threshold and get into into the church and go and kneel in front of the tabernacle. And and for those of you who are maybe practicing your faith, but maybe you haven't ever really committed to a holy hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament, like that has been one of the greatest gifts that both Mary Beth and I have been blessed with in our lives. Um, Yeah, it's a little bit of a commitment, right, to give up an hour a week to go and sit in silence. Silence is hard for people in today's world, right? But during that hour, God is right there, face to face with you, and he's literally flooding you with graces. As you said, he wants to give us so much, and all we have to do is sit there. (laughs) Like, there's nothing better than that. So I would urge listeners, if you haven't done a holy hour, think about it, pray about it, do it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it all comes together, doesn't it? The, the passion, death, resurrection of the Lord, uh, the Eucharist and adoration of a sacred heart devotion, all of it just converges beautifully you know, in that heart of Jesus, which is pulsating with love for us.
1: Amen. And so, so let's talk about the 12 promises um, that... The Lord gave to um, Saint Margaret Mary about this devotion to the Sacred Heart. Mary Beth, you want to start us off?
3: Well, I just um, I will give them all the graces necessary in their state of life. I can tell you, He definitely does that, right? I I, I know from having um, from that being that little five year old, and and I saw how He helped me as when just as a young child, and then growing up with it, and then into my um, uh, teen college years, but then especially as I um, got married, he has been there. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> Am I, mightily, really. And, and yeah.
1: And then I'll say the second one I will establish peace in their homes. Like, who doesn't want peace? Mm-hmm. Everybody longs for peace in this world that is going crazy. So, what a gift that he's saying, just come and get to know my heart and I'll give you peace. We need that. Bishop, mm-hmm. will you share the next one?
2: Yeah, the, number three, I will comfort them in all their afflictions. We think again of the consolation that the Lord offered so many people in his public ministry and how Jesus' heart for us is that place of comfort and then consolation amidst the storms of life. We can always rest there and find joy and peace.
1: Beautiful. The fourth one, I will be their secure refuge during life and above all in death. And again, so many people are afraid of approaching death. And yet it's it's being born into new life, the eternal life with God, right? Like We should not be afraid of death. If we know Christ, we are assured of that. Mm-hmm. And so what we want to have Him as our refuge in life and in death. Mary Beth?
3: I will bestow abundant blessings upon all their undertakings. And again, that's where He just asks you to at least show up and give, give a little bit here. And when He does, He will Believe me, he will just take that and do things that, you know, are, are just we hadn't ever even thought about, right? Yep. I, I, yeah. So.
1: Far, he, I always say he has far exceeded my expectations. <laughs>
2: um, Bishop? As sinners will find in my heart the source an infinite ocean of mercy. I think there are both of uh, St. Faustina's writings, given the divine mercy, but also the power of the sacrament of confession, and so it's really in confession that we find there um, the source of forgiveness, that I can go to confession burdened with any amount of sin, and if I confess with contrition and sincerity, the Lord forgives me. Again, that just seems so good to be true at times. But he's given us that, that beautiful gift of the sacrament of reconciliation, and it is there that the Sacred Heart is waiting to to forgive us. And we find that ocean of mercy.
1: So beautiful. So fervent souls shall quickly mount to high perfection. And that's, again, what a beautiful thing that we are called to be saints. We are called to be holy as God is holy. He says that in his living word, right? Mm -hmm. And, And he will give us the grace to mount to higher perfection, to be more like Him, when we come to know Him in His Sacred Heart.
3: Mary Beth, um, I will bless every place in which an image of my heart is exposed and honored. I would just, you know, like to say, based on, you know, here are our parents, um, both Bishop Hines and mine did a simple act they just hung a picture of the sacred heart in our home they they didn't say a word it wasn't about um you know uh, necessarily teaching us just the simple act of hanging that image had a profound effect uh, for both of us for our lives and and just so you can't we can't um we can't know who's lives that will touch of our children's or people who enter our home or whatever. God that's in his hands, but just do the the simple act of hanging a picture mm-hmm. or sacred objects. Amen. Mm-hmm. Bishop.
2: I will give the priest the gift of touching the most hardened hearts. And I find such power in that, that the, it makes so much sense. You know, as a priest, the more I'm in union and relationship with the sacred heart the more the Sacred Heart is going to use my priestly ministry to reach hearts that are far from him. And again, I just think of the, I think that the power of um, preaching and the power of the confessional. So I think priests reach people the most in the pulpit when they're preaching and also in, in the confessional. And one is public and to a lot of people, the other is is private and only to one at a time. And yet, in both of those places, the Lord gives us the ability to reach hearts. So and beautiful. Pray for that grace.
1: Absolutely. Uh, number eleven: Those who shall promote this devotion shall have their names written in my heart. And that's good for the three of us because we are promoting this devotion.
3: Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> we like that one. Go ahead, Mary Beth. I promise you in the excessive mercy of my heart that my all-powerful love will grant to all those who receive Holy Communion on the first Fridays in nine consecutive months the grace of final perseverance. They shall not die in my disgrace nor without receiving their sacraments. My divine heart shall be their safe refuge in this, in this last moment. That is such a comfort. It is. Right?
1: Pure gift. Pure gift. And again, I hope that the listeners have enjoyed learning more about this beautiful devotion, this loving offering of our Lord of his his very sacred heart to us, um, to dive into his love. Um, it is actually time for us to pull this show to a close. Bishop, thank you so much for coming and agreeing to to share your love of this devotion with us. Mary Beth, thank you so much. But I'd really like to ask you, Bishop Hying, if you would end us with a final prayer and blessing.
2: Yes. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Sacred Heart of Jesus, we ask that you fill us with your fire and your grace. Place your heart within us that we love, that we speak, that we act in union with you that we become an extension of you in this world. We ask that you burn from us anything that is not of you, all of our our sin and sadness, our our weakness and, and despair. Fill us with your holy light that when people encounter us, they encounter you. We renew our devotion to your sacred heart, and we ask that your sacred heart may triumph in this world that so desperately needs to know your love and your mercy Fill the church with the love of your heart and help us to always know and believe that this fiery heart of yours beats at the center of the church and pulsates out to us your grace and salvation. May all those who have listened to this show um, be renewed in their love for you and pour your graces upon them in abundance. And we ask this blessing, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you again so much. And to all you listeners, thank you for tuning in. And until we meet again, this is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life, and I wish you all the
0: fullness. So, a dulce do et spes nostra salve a te clamamus exules filiere a te suspiramus gementes e flantes in ac lacrimarum vale ea ergo Advocata Nostra, Illus Tuos misericordes oculos Ad nos convete. Et Iesu benedictum fructum ventris No Nobis post hoc exilium ostente. O clement, O Pia, O O, O, Ducis Virgo Maria